As we're going to read this morning, if you want to look there with me, John chapter 4. We'll read several of these verses in this chapter uh, just to get the full impact of the, the account here of Jesus meeting this woman at the well. John chapter 4, verse 1, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus uh, made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea, departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, or about noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him. And he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidest thou, in that saidest thou truly. The woman saith, saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he is come. 
he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I am, I that speak unto thee am he. I'll stop reading right there. Here's what's on my heart this morning, and I just want to try to express this as the best way that I, I can. Because when I look around, and even in our own community here, there is, uh, obviously there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of Christians, a lot of people that are connected to churches all over this region, and that's a good thing. But the reality is there's a lot more people that are not saved. There's a lot more people that they don't go to the house of God. They're not interested in the things of God and spiritual things. And those people should be on the hearts of God's people. We should be concerned about them and we should be praying for them. And I, I really don't believe that there's any greater need than for the church to be busy fulfilling the Great Commission. Four times the Great Commission is, uh, is mentioned in uh, the Gospels. And uh, it is, uh, it's important for us to realize that we are to not only go into all the world. You know that we believe in missions around here. We support more than 40 different ministries around the world. We believe in it. 15% of the money that comes into our church right off the top goes right into our missions fund because we believe in in the Great Commission, going into all the world, declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Amen. But this morning, what I want to talk to you about is your world. Because going into all the world includes your world, the world that you live in, the people that you do business with, the people that you rub shoulders with, the people that are in your family or in your connection some way through through your work or school or your neighbors or uh, your connections. That's the world that you live in. And we have been called of God to go into our world, to reach our world for Jesus Christ. So that means it's not just the, ministry, the, the, the missionaries, it's not just the evangelists, it's not just a few select people that are called to some public ministry that have this responsibility. The Great Commission is our commission. It's your commission. It's for you and to go into all the world. Yes, it includes the whole world through our missionary endeavors. But I want you to know that you have a personal responsibility to your world. To reach your world for Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I just want to take these few minutes to, to challenge you that we need to be about the business of the Great Commission, doing our part to, to ask the Lord to penetrate the hearts of the lost through the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. I do believe in every, in, in, uh, every possible means of spreading the gospel. Every way. If it's through radio, if it's through internet, TV, revivals, crusades, uh, whatever way, all those, all those are wonderful and all those are important and we should uh, look for every possible means whereby we are able to spread the gospel. Uh, Paul said to the weak, I become weak, uh, that I might gain the weak. He said, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He was just saying, 
Exhaust every possible avenue that you have. Every possible means that you have to reach the lost. That is your responsibility. It's my responsibility. And uh, we, we certainly need this kind uh, of a burden uh, upon our heart. The church exists for a lot of reasons. I mean, we could go through the list of why we're here and why we exist. But the primary, number one reason that the church exists is so that we can be the vehicle, the vessel whereby the gospel of Jesus Christ can be preached and declared to the lost of the world. That's why we're here. Why? Is because God placed such a high premium upon one soul. One soul. The preciousness and the value of just one soul. The Bible says, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? You want to know how much that God thinks about the value of one soul? He says it's more valuable than all of the world. All of the world. Everything that the world contains. Amen. I wanted to know how much wealth is in the world, so I looked it up. You can Google anything. Uh, it's estimated that in, 20, uh, in, in 2020, that the world uh, was, uh, all the wealth of the world was one credillion. Can I can't hardly even pronounce that. That's 1,000 trillion. That's a lot more than I can even imagine. But that, that is the monetary value of the world. And not only that, but it's growing by about 13 to 15% every year. It just grows and grows and grows. Even with poverty and world economy and problems in our world, the world is valuable. It's, it's, it's growing, the wealth and the, the value of the world. But Jesus said, one soul is more valuable than all of that. So if he values one soul, then certainly you and I, as the church, as a Christian, as believers, we should value the souls of mankind. Amen. But what are the obstacles to us being able to penetrate the hearts of people? What is it that's stopping us? What is it that's hindering us from being what God has called us uh, to be and fulfilling what he is calling us to fulfill in these last days? Well, there are several obstacles. I'll mention, first of all, that one of the reasons why it's not happening is just the indifference of the church. Just the indifference of Christians. That we're not even considering the fact that people are lost and they're headed to a terrible judgment in a place called hell. If they don't know Jesus Christ, if they have not been born again, then, then, then their soul is doomed and there's no hope for them for all of eternity. Even with all that's going on and all the, uh, the, uh, the technology and the means of mass evangelism and, and literally um, just the gospel is just uh, available in so many different ways. Yet there are people that are lost and without Jesus. And we need to be busy declaring the gospel and just wake up to the realization that uh, souls are dying every day. Might be worthwhile for you to read the, the obituary list every once in a while and realize 
or listen to it on the radio. And sometimes uh, uh, there's eight or 10 or 12 or even more uh, than that. Sometimes uh, every day, every day people are slipping into eternity, lost without God. Many of them don't know the Lord and they are our responsibility. They're within our reach. They're within your reach. They're your responsibility. Your friends and your neighbors and your family and your, your uh, workmates and, and uh, all the different ways that we have connections with people. Have you considered the fact? Have you, uh, are you alert to the realization that people are lost and that we have a responsibility to fulfill this task? The early church, Acts chapter 5, you can kind of get an idea of of what the early church was involved in. They were daily in the temple in every house. They ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. They never stopped. It was a constant flow. Everywhere they went, it was always the most important thing. Sure, you have to work, you have to go to school, you have to fulfill your daily responsibilities, but that underlying uh, passion and underlying burden that should always be in our heart is that when God gives us opportunity and there are open doors that we step up and we declare the gospel. They never stopped. They never lost their passion. They were driven by the Spirit of God uh, and motivated by the, by the presence of God and the power of God to go forth and to declare the gospel. Amen. And that's what uh, that commission there in, in Acts chapter 1 in uh, verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. The word there is the word martus and it literally means that you're willing to lay your life down for, the people, for people that are lost. You're willing to give up your life for them. That's the kind of passion that the early church had. They had a compassion and they had a, a love and a desire to see people come to the Lord. So it would be a good time this morning for you to ask yourself, am I concerned about the lost? Am I concerned about people around me? I think we're blessed because many times, much of the time, we'll have people come into our services and uh, uh, sometimes I see people looking around, they're a little suspicious, someone comes in looking a little bit dirty and a little bit hairy and, and unkempt and everybody's kind of wondering if they're gonna be a mass shooter or, uh, or something, but instead, instead we should look at that person and say, thank God that they have wandered into the house of God. Thank God that they're here and that God can reach them and their life could be changed just by them making their way into the house of the Lord. There was a man that came in, I think it was last Sunday, came in and I mean, he was, you know, kind of disheveled and, and uh, but he, he was in the altar. And uh, we prayed with him, and uh, and I, I don't know uh, uh, anything about him at all. I, I just know that God is after people that are lost. His heart is after the lost, and that should be the thing. It should be driving us and motivating us. It should be our heart. It should be our passion. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter nine. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. When we see people, it should stir us, it should move us, it should motivate us. When we see people in their sin, instead of condemning them and, and uh, 
and judging them or misjudging them. Instead of that, we should look at those that are in this world and in desperate uh, need and be moved like Jesus, see them. But I think that sometimes we just don't see people. We overlook them. We don't take the time to notice them. But Jesus cares about every individual, every one of them, every lost and wayward soul. The Bible says he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep that have no shepherd. And so really, one of the biggest obstacles to us seeing hearts changed by the power of the gospel is our own calloused hearts, our own indifference to the lostness of the world. But oh, God can help us. And that's why we're preaching this this morning, so that the Lord will speak to you and deal with you and that you'll begin to seek the Lord about the loss that he brings you in contact with. Another reason why, another obstacle to, to uh, reaching the lost and is that um, the lost are one when we are led by the Spirit. When there is this Holy Ghost drive in us, this Holy Ghost burden within us, when we, are, we have this compulsion, this, this desire, that's what Jesus had. He had this must-needs desire to go through Samaria. Most of you are aware of the fact that the Samaritans were rejected and despised by all of the Jews Something like 700 B.C., the Assyrians came into that region, conquered the region, intermarried with the Jews in that region, and they became known as the Samaritans, and they were despised by the Jews. They were, they were not only a mixed race, but they were mixed in their religious ideas, their philosophy, their way of life, and uh, so they were, they were rejected. They had a perverted uh, religion and, and so as a result, uh, Jews wouldn't do business with them. They wouldn't allow them to come to Jerusalem to worship. They wouldn't even travel through Samaria. They wouldn't do it. They would go the long way around. It was the shortest route from the south to the north to go right through Samaria. But they refused to go that way because of their prejudice and their hatred for those uh, in, that, uh, in that region. The, the, uh, the Bible says that Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. There is, a, there is this compelling direction of the Spirit of God that was, it was say, saying to him, go to Samaria. There's a big harvest field there. There's a widened harvest field there in Samaria. And so he's driven to go through Samaria. Samaria is a, or the, the city is the city of Sychar, the word Sychar means intoxicated or drunk. That kind of depicts the kind of people that they were, just a bunch of drunks and immoral people. And you can see by the lifestyle of this Samaritan woman that Jesus meets up with, that she's been married five times. She's now living with a man that's not her husband. So there's a, there's a little, there's a twisted morality there. And, and uh, that's, that's the kind of people, that's the kind of mess uh, that... Uh, that they are all in. But Jesus said, that's where I need to go. I must needs go to those that their lives are so wrecked and so messed up that sin has done such, a, uh, such damage 
to their life and to that city of Sychar and to the, to the nation of Samaria that uh, Jesus said, that's where I need to go. Most Jews would go the long way around, but Jesus went right through Samaria. He went right there. Why? Well, because he had a divine appointment with one woman, one woman that was there. Amen. I don't know about you folks, but I've, I've had this in my mind for a long time. It's been in my heart for years that God would help us here in our location, in our church, develop a church that uh, is filled with all kinds of people, all kinds of personalities. Amen. Even, uh, even all kinds of, do you know that in London, Kentucky now, that there are a lot of Hispanics? There are a lot of Asians, there are a lot of Filipinos, Indians, Pakistanis, um, all kinds of people that have moved into the area, even Hoosiers that have moved in uh, to the area. Uh, do you know that God can build an international church in, in London, Kentucky? Amen. He can save them. This young lady, this little girl, 12 years old, uh, that uh, Zuhaili that comes on the bus uh, that had surgery last week, uh, her family came from Honduras. Uh, I don't know if they're legals or not. I really don't know. But I know that they came in to this nation. They hardly speak any English. When you, when you go to visit their house, the little girls have to translate for you. Uh, the mother can speak a little bit of English. The dad, hardly any English. That's the world we are living in right now. Right here in hillbilly country. <laughs> There's all kinds of international people that are coming in here and I believe that God wants us to be reaching, reaching, reaching for all of those, uh, no matter what their background in or, or what the, the mess of their life might be, that the gospel is good enough for them and it's their only hope if we declare the gospel. As we are led of the Holy Ghost, um, it is by the Spirit of God that hearts can be penetrated. That's the only way, it's the only way. We can't convince them. We can't entice them. We can't have a better new program. We can't do something to make it more attractive. Uh, not uh, none of these things are necessarily bad or wrong. It just, I just want you to know it's not going to happen. Their hearts are not going to be changed unless there's a work and a move of the Spirit of God. And the Holy Ghost can penetrate the hearts of people and make them aware of how much that they need the Lord. That's right, even those people that are outcasts like this woman. First of all, she was a Samaritan, already a big mark against her. And then she was a woman. In most cases, wasn't allowed, even in the Jewish culture, for, for women to be taught. Uh, they usually would have to go to their husband. That's why Jesus said, where's your husband? Where's your husband at? Uh, uh, and she said, well, I, you know, I don't have a husband right now. And he immediately knew exactly what she was saying. Yeah, you had five husbands. You don't have a husband now. You're just living with someone. And so she was a woman. And to speak to a woman, woman in public, especially to give them instruction or teaching uh, like that, was not considered. So there's another big uh, hurdle to get over. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. She's an outcast. She's immoral. She's from a city of drunkards. She's from a place of hopelessness and darkness and uh, but Jesus had a divine appointment with her. He had a divine appointment with her. And really, 
A little bit later on, I didn't read all of the, the story, but Jesus tells his disciple, lift up your heads. Look, the harvest is, is it's ripe and ready. He was talking about that region. Look at this region. It is ripe. It is ready to be harvested. And we're going to start with this woman that's the least likely person to carry the gospel back to the city and to cause them to want to run and to find out what, what this Jesus was all about. Could I just ask you, how long has it been since you've prayed when you started your day, Lord? Would you give me a divinely arranged appointment with someone today? Would you give me a Holy Spirit-directed appointment today so that when I meet them, that I know in my heart, God, you set this up. You've given me this opportunity. You've you set this arrangement up. You've given me this appointment because they need the gospel. It doesn't matter how far removed they might be from God or how wicked or how low or how uh, much of an outcast that they might be. This is a whosoever gospel. It's for whosoever will. And I, I challenge you, pray and ask the Lord. Lord, give me a divine appointment today. Let me meet up with somebody that needs to hear about Jesus and give me the courage and the boldness to declare the message of the gospel to them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said this, this is a whitened harvest field. Never doubt that God can lead you to that person that is, that is going to be the key to many others being saved. This woman, I mean, she's questioning him, uh, asking all kinds of questions about why he's speaking to her and all about the well and all about living water. And I don't know that she ever, if it was ever really dawned on her until she said, well, I know all these things are going to come to pass when the Messiah comes. And then Jesus says, that's me. I am the Messiah. And I believe at that moment when he said that, you can tell when you read through the text, you can tell everything changes then. It dawns on her. She has this spiritual revelation. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus. This is the Lord. This is the Christ. She doesn't even take her water bottles with her. She just takes off running back to her to, to Sychar. She just turns and runs back to Sychar. And that's when Jesus speaks to the disciples that are coming back from gathering up the food uh, for him. He says, I have meat to eat that you don't know anything about. And he's talking about, I have, I have something that satisfies me, something that, that fills me that even more than, than, than meat. And that is the harvest field. That is this whitened harvest field that should stir us, it should motivate us and never limit what God can do. If God can use an immoral Samaritan woman rejected by the Jews and even despised, she had to come in the middle of the day, she couldn't come with the other Samaritan women because she was so despised by her own people. She was the uh, so unlikely, but Jesus met with her. Jesus revealed himself to her and then she becomes the vessel that runs back to Sychar, telling them all, come see a man, come see a man. He told me everything I ever did. Come meet this Jesus, come and meet this, this Jesus. And, 
and that um, uh, God used her. You don't know who God might use. You can't imagine when you reach out to that one lonely, desperate person that they might be the one that God wants to use to reach a lot of other people and uh, to see a lot of other lives changed for the glory of God. Amen. So another obstacle is just the fact that we need to be directed to the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered of the Spirit uh, to do this work and led of the Spirit if we're going to be able to do this work of seeing the lost come to Jesus. Another thing that came to my mind this week, I was praying about this, and that is a, re a realization that people are not just lost, but they are bound. We are living in a time today when, when sure, people are lost, but I'm telling you, they are, they're in a bondage of sin. They're overtaken by sin. They can't help themselves. They're ensnared in their sin. There's a lot of people, they'd like to get out of it. They would like to be able to come out of it, but they don't see any way out. They, they don't see how it's possible that they can come out of their despair. So it's a big obstacle because we're dealing with people that are bound. They are spiritually bound. 2 Timothy 2.26 that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Satan has ensnared people through all kinds of bondages. Bondages of fear, bondages of depression, bondages even of uh, addictions and on and on, all different types of situations in people's lives. They're, they're trapped. They're bound by the enemy. And they want out, but they can't get out. They can't see a way out. And there is no natural, physical way they can, they can break free from the life that they are living. And the only answer is the power of the Spirit of God that can break into that situation, that can set them free, that can deliver them from their addictions and their bondages and these things that the enemy has got such a grip on their heart and their life and they can't help themselves. And uh, when you look at people uh, in their sin, instead of shaming them and looking down your nose at them, remember that you're just like them. You were just like them. That's you. That's you going, but for the grace of God and realize that they are bound in sin and they need a deliverance. They need God to move. And that's why there must be a church that is filled with the Spirit of God. There must be an anointing on our lives so that we can declare the gospel, not just to know three steps of how to get saved, but we can truly uh, minister to people and reach people and pour our lives into them and care about them and see them brought out of the spiritual bondage that they are in. I have to tell you, the only explanation for a lot of the things that are going on in our world today, I just, sometimes I, I'm bewildered by it all. There's just so much weird and crazy things going on in our world today. And so many people are accepting it, defending it, even trying to make some of it legal. And it's, it's unbelievable that we have come to a place of absolute deception in our world right now. And the only explanation for it is demonic work, the demonic work of the enemy in these last days. We're dealing with devils, we're dealing with demons, we're dealing with people that are bound by the devil. They can't help themselves, they can't 
They can't deliver themselves. They're like that demoniac there in, in the gospel of Mark chapter 5 uh, that was bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. Always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Sounds exactly like this generation. Miserable. Cutting themselves. Miserable. Despairing. Uh, just hopelessness uh, in their lives. And the only answer for that demoniac was an encounter with Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. And that man was changed. That man was transformed. That man was delivered of that spiritual bondage. So today we're not dealing with people that are just lost. We're dealing with people that are lost, but they're also bound. They're bound by the enemy. Amen. But we need to understand that, that we have uh, the divine equipment, the Holy Ghost equipment that we need to be able to face the challenges of this day. Revelation 12 and, uh, 12 and 12. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So where we are, we're in the last moments of the last days and so satan has stepped up he's pouring out his wrath he's pouring out all of his demonic lies and deception and all kinds of wicked and things that are you know i could never have imagined we could be where we are now in our nation could never have dreamed that people would be uh believing that a man could have a baby and they would be trying to defend that in the courts and defend that in our United States Congress. It's the most absurd and ridiculous things that are going on today. And the only thing that, ex that explains it is, is a demonic darkness that's just settled in upon our nation. And the only hope is a move of God. The only hope is an outpouring of the Spirit of God. The only hope is a revival, a move of God that will stir the hearts of people and penetrate their hearts. Break through all of that darkness and deliver them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I always talk about this at this season of the year because I, I know it to be true. I know it to be true that in the spring and the Easter season when the weather begins to change, that uh, for some reason, and even statistics prove this, church attendance goes up in the spring, goes down in the winter, goes down in the summer, everybody's going to the beach, I guess. But it goes up in the spring and it goes up in the fall. There's two seasons when there's more of an openness, more of an interest. And I say, let's jump on board with the momentum. If there's already an interest and already a hunger and there's already a, an opportunity, an open door, let's take advantage of this season of the year and let's ask the Lord, Lord, would you set up a divine appointment for me today? And help me to be aware of it. And then be willing to obey the Lord. Declare the gospel to someone. Pour your heart out to some people that need Jesus, that need the Lord. And uh, I know this, this sounds a little strange probably, but I was praying around here this week. And it was like the Lord spoke into my spirit. Don't forget my little people. Don't forget my little people. And I don't want to forget so many people that they are hopeless. They're despairing. 
They have no sense of direction for their life. There's no answer. They're like that woman at the well that Jesus had a divine appointment with and he cared enough for her that he had that meeting with her and he had an encounter with her and offered to her living water. And that was a transformation for her and all of Sychar, that wicked city of drunkenness, all heard about Jesus. And she was the big influencer. Amen. She was the one that the, that the Lord used to touch the hearts of so many people. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Over these next few weeks, would you allow the Lord to use you? Be filled with the Spirit. Be used of the Lord to touch the hearts of people and to be used of the Lord to see folks come to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us and deal with us, Lord. Lord, everywhere we look, there are people in need. We thank you, Lord, for the people of God and for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful, Lord, that we live in a community where there are lots of churches and a lot of good people. But, Lord, there's so many people by the thousands and thousands in this region. Lord, and they're bound in their sin. They're bound in addiction. Their lives are so messed up. They don't see that there's any way out. They don't see that there's an answer. But Lord, we know, we know that the church that is anointed, filled with the Spirit, the church, empowered, is the answer. Praise God. So Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts today and that we would be moved with compassion every day when we see those in their lost condition and we'll do what we can. Hallelujah.